All right, you guys ready? Let's do this. You're listening to the best of the best of the best. Fully loaded. It was so good. Luck, luck, luck. I don't think I've ever been chuffed. And what the mouth word said was, you talk too much. Scotty Potty Hay. Someone slap me. That is not that crazy. That's hard. Losers. This is like proof of the supernatural. This is not the first goal scored by a hand this month. What? You made your own luck. You win by winning. When he plays, he scores. You're a pouty baby that doesn't deserve to be a baby. He's just a beardo. Si, senor. I would like the pollo ranchero, por favor. I'm just going to pour myself another bourbon and just let this thing roll. <laughs> All right. Welcome to the latest edition of the FPL America podcast. This is David Smith. Scott Weeby. Brian Chesko. You never forget the first. No. Isn't that true? The first. Never forget the first. Never first time. the first time. You usually remember the first time of almost anything. That's true. And I'm going to remember this today because this is our first time recording on the same location where if you follow us on social media, you've noticed a uh, very large theater screen where we get to watch some football. We're about to watch Game Week 38 in so the Premier League. The end of the season is finally here. So pumped. And uh, we're just we're just going to say some things before uh, before the matches get started. You'll hear this after the matches have taken place, but that's okay. We've got a good show for you. I'm excited for what we're about to do for the first time as, as, a, as a group of three yeah. here. I have no idea what we're going to do, but we're going to do something good. This is the first time I've ever eaten a bagel while we record. Uh, you've eaten while we've recorded before. Hey. I've not a bagel. There is cream cheese all over your microphone, There sir. is strawberry <laughs> cream cheese. Really, dude? <laughs> all fine. over your microphone now. It's fine. <laughs> and your bagel from Bacon Street Bagels. You know, down. Early, ne- early in the coming season, the next season, you're going to... Put your microphone in your mouth, and you're going to get a whiff of strawberry cream cheese, and you're going to wonder where that's from. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to remember, oh, that's right. It was from the first time we recorded on location. Jeez. It'll that's cover up all of the other drinks and whatnot <laughs> For that sure. go into this microphone. Sure. There are layers of smells on your microphone over the years. There's no doubt. This is a big deal. Recording on location, first yeah. time. The first time that we're, I hope, of many. With right. this opportunity to, to be here in the historic theater here in Lynchburg, Virginia. And so, yeah, man, this is so cool. Um, super thankful, Scott, for to Jeff mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. opening this up and giving us this opportunity to uh, to do this here at the Academy of the Center of the Arts. It's, been a, it's been a weird year of football. We know this. It's, it's been for sure. what uh, could only be described as a COVID year. I remember when, when football was stopped last year and – we didn't know when it was going to return or if the season would actually end. Right. And uh, and then all of a sudden, the Germans showed us how it could be done, right? German football returned first. The sure. Bundesliga came back. And uh, and it was it was Jeff and I. We got together. We watched the opening weekend of the Bundesliga's return. And from there, it's been, obviously, That's the so most cool. interesting year of football ever since. Glad that we get to watch the matches here. I've got a few topics that I want to discuss as we uh, get ready to, again, uh, embark on Game Week 38, hopefully everyone gets a chance to feel good about how their season ends in FPL. Uh, I want to talk about something regarding Leicester. We've got to talk about it. we got to talk about where the Broj is taking Leicester to end the season here. Yeah, as we Scott, sit here, we don't like know. I do, and I will. I want to talk about the ever-popular subject of intent on this mm, podcast, an yes. ongoing dialogue about intent. And then I want to talk about what's going on with goalkeepers. So let's go ahead and let's do that. 
let's get started with let's what wrap we're up this entire to trash do. hole of a crap <laughs> bucket of a season that's right that's right well here said. here all right Amazing. dave i want to start with you yes let's do it all right i saw something take place I didn't watch Crystal Palace and Arsenal, but I saw something in the highlight package that I want to get your uh, your response to. If I saw it right, and I might have missed, I might not have caught the context, but I thought I saw a moment where Christian Benteke attempted an elbow to El Nenny's throat that underwent a VAR review and turned out not to be considered violent conduct, red card worthy. Is that am I correct on this? Is that what happened? Because if the answer is yes, I've got a follow-up question that I have to ask. Yes, it was deemed uh, not violent. Okay, here's my question: Was it not violent because Benteke mostly missed? See, this is this now gets into intent. I agree with you. If you come in, because okay, well, l- l- let me let me jump right in and finish my question. The true question I have is. If we're going to use intent to explain when something terrible happens on the pitch, when violent conduct actually occurs, and we're going to say, there was no intent in that. Well, he didn't but- intend to do that. But then you have a situation here where Benteke tries to deliver an elbow to someone's throat and misses. If we're going to use intent, can't we say that Benteke should have been sent off immediately? Maybe, but I mean, technically there has to be an action. Almost actions. Are we going to start giving cards and penalties for almost actions? You no, know, like in other words, like was there and like he didn't strike him. Okay, but you're you're changing. You're, you're making Understood. this two different things. There's intent and there's action. I know. But I intent, agree. Intent doesn't rule. It hasn't. I don't think we've seen guys when Son got ejected. We always go back to that, right? You're he proving hit. my point. You're proving my point. Intent doesn't rule. It shouldn't rule. So can people just please shut up about, about intent, intent. Fair enough. when an action is violent and they're trying to use that to say that it shouldn't have been a yellow or a red or whatever it ended up being? Let's be consistent with our criticism. That's all I'm asking. It wasn't an elbow to the throat for me. <laughs> <laughs> the, the action and the intent uh, for sure. were not – there was no marriage of action and intent. For sure. And so – Oh I think gosh. by the letter of the law, I'm just trying to say things. I like the phrase marriage of action and intent. Yeah. That's excellent. Um, I don't know how he escaped. I mean, there is not, I don't think I've well, ever he, seen he, he a clearer. Make, I know. I understand make, that he did, but it's it, the, to, to give him if he that. he does like, connect, that's horribly violent. I know. He could have got him right in the, right in the Adam's apple. And that would For have the been record, sore. since I have opened myself up to criticism here, I'm okay if we're going to use the actual action itself to determine what happens and to say Benteke missed, therefore nothing was given. I'm going to be okay with that as long as when the action, you know, when the raking of the shins or, you know, the the, the calf muscles occurs and it's a terrible action and the, that gets sent off, but we say, oh, it wasn't intent. It, that doesn't matter if you're going you go action off the action or go or off the intent. intent. But here's the thing. You can't go off intent, right? Because we're not in Benteke's brain. But in this case, if you're going to use intent, this is about Jeez, as close as it gets. No kidding. He didn't even push. The fact that he used an elbow. The exactly. fact that he came yeah. in, he came in so strong, not to like get him out of his face, but like to really, I mean, that is a, that is, I don't know what, uh, there's no, not a better definitional violent action exactly than right. that. I, it was just, yep. like what if somebody tries to stomp someone's head and they miss? It's like, well. <laughs> he missed. 
He didn't put the cleats on his face. <laughs> I mean, we know you what can't... happens when you put the cleats on someone's face. See John Fleck. Yeah. Nothing, right? Yeah. We saw that. What are you going to do, vilify the guy because he tried to step on someone's head and missed? Fleck. I mean, come on. Yeah, okay. All right. Jeez. John Fleck, uh, he can rot in championship hell. I've wow. already said that before. No hey, let me keep with my anger. I want to know what's going on. So, so what is it? Nine months ago, something happened. It, 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 Carlo Ancelotti was the first to do something that turned out to be a trend this season. You and I noticed it, and, and we talked about it earlier in the season on this pointing podcast. Pointing at me. I am pointing at you, Dave. Ancelotti benched Jordan Pickford and played Robin Olsen. Right. And we remember watching the NBC Sports studio crew, Tim Howard specifically, saying, you don't need to rest when you're a starting goalkeeper. Uh, Pickford's been benched. Well, Maybe not so, because now that we're getting to the end of the season, we're noticing that a lot of starting goalkeepers are sitting Scott, for second and third string goalkeepers. Scott, last week, how many of your two goalkeepers played? None! <laughs> Neither! <laughs> In week 37, you, we yeah. can't figure out who, what goalkeepers are starting? In what for world we live, That by. is frustrating, for sure. Uh, I think today everyone's mostly safe. There was question marks about the health of, and fitness of certain people, so Nick Pope. You know, as you'll as you know, as you're hearing this, Nick Pope is not playing today in favor of um, uh, Burnley Man. I think is his name. Uh, Burnley. His name is Burnley Man. Yeah, Burnley Man. <laughs> I think he's their third or fourth starting goalkeeper. a goalkeeper. Burnley Man. Burnley Man. Yeah. Uh, no, but <laughs> you saw it, Dave. You know this with between Keppa and uh, and Mendy and uh, Chelsea. Uh, Alex McCarthy and Fraser Forster have been swapping places for most of the end of the season. De Gea and Henderson. De Gea and Henderson. Last week, De Gea. De Gea in. I played in the surprisingly Premier yes, which was I think. And early. I started Henderson. Luckily, I got the one off the bench for Mendy, which was awesome. Yeah. I got a one, Scott. There I you beat go. Your zero you, with a one. You did beat my one or yeah. my zero with a one. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. No, I don't know what to tell you, Scott. I, I don't. It is a trend. The, You're right. We've never seen this. Is weird. Is, is this going to, to the best of your guess, is this going to be a trend we continue to see in coming years, or is this just the the accumulation of what has been a condensed, crowded schedule? If Tim Howard is right, and he, you know, there's the discussion with De Gea and Henderson. I mean, that that discussion was happening when Henderson came back to Manchester United. Of like, hey, you basically have two number ones here, mm -hmm. and Tim Howard saying, you know, weeks and weeks ago, maybe two months ago, something like that, like. You don't have two number ones. You can't do that. You you cannot have two number one goalkeepers. You can't have a guy that you know. You can't rotate in the league like this. You need the consistency back there. I just can't imagine that it's a trend. It just seems like these clubs that either have two capable guys and they're just really not sure. Well, I, I, will I get say... I get the McCarthy Forster debate because those two guys seem very equal in terms of capability. But when you have Olsen and Pickford, where Pickford is a, a risk every time he's back there to make a weird mistake or do something completely inexplicable that you're just like, why would anyone ever do that? And then, you know, of course, tiny arms and, and whatnot. But, <laughs> no, but like, <laughs> and I, tiny I, arms. I just don't know if there's anything, <laughs> I don't know that there's anything you can really say for most of the clubs. I feel like most everyone's settled where they... De Gea and Henderson are, are, is odd. I think Manchester United is getting to a point where they realize we're going to sell or let De Gea go. Henderson's the new guy, and Henderson's going to be the, the number one going forward. That's where our future is. We're right now as a club. But for whatever reason, out of respect for De Gea, they, they gave him the European games on the way out. Then here at the end of the season, when there's not, all of a sudden it's 
I guess we'll give you. Well, that's the thing I was going to say just a minute ago is that, you know, 36 was on the weekend, 37 midweek, 38 weekend. I mean, it's again, I mean, this last week of the Premier League has been the final, you know, view into what this year's schedule has been for a lot of clubs. So it's possible, uh, it's certain that game week 37, it was decided that it was, you know, the fact that these last three game weeks were condensed into seven or eight days for these clubs, that that's why they did it. For me, that meant. This week, Final game, Henderson starts. De Gea is on the bench. It's not. And I mean, uh, how much competition does your starting goalkeeper need? I mean, it feels like that's the one place that you don't want to have somebody like right. breathing down the guy's neck. You don't have like. Uh, didn't Burnley have Tom Heaton and Emiliano Martinez? It wasn't that like at the start of the season? Isn't that a or yeah, was that Burnley? Who where is Tom Heaton right now? Was he in Burnley? Uh, you're thinking, yeah, but they had Pope and Heaton, and then they had a third keeper at one. this was last right year. I'm, just, I'm just thinking yeah. and then he moved on. i know tom heaton moved on whatever but i'm just thinking like they cleared it out so that nick pope was the clear number one right and it's the same you'd think it would be the same for you know it's the alino martinez situation That's at right. the end of last season cleared out you, martinez. Don't, you don't want that yep yep yeah i hope it they made the I wrong think, choice we've yeah. documented that very thoroughly I on this tom heaton is still backing up emiliano oh so he is at burnley he's on, or he's i mean at, at villa yeah that's what you, i but no one's questioning who the starter is right and i don't even know baby blue and your maroon but here's the thing. Yeah, thing. I knew. Well, yeah. Has Heaton even played? Like, have, no. have has has Villa done this this same thing no. that other clubs have done? I don't think they have. No. It was Emiliano the, Martinez, sorry, Arsenal's I, best goalkeeper. I'm looking out the window, and a person in a uh, Subaru just made the weirdest U-turn I have ever seen in like the worst intersection in the city. So that <laughs> was crazy what that person just did. I hope that's a the moment. Sign of things to come today. A moment for me alone. That's amazing. In terms of FPL strategy, you know, many years ago, early in this uh, podcast's history, we talked about the possibility of going with a handcuff strategy with your goalkeeper, going with the starting keeper, and then that oh, wow. starting yeah. keeper's backup. For sure. Just in case of things like this happening. Now, that advice was probably about three three years too early. <laughs> this year, that would have been a, a lot oh, of good. Yeah. For sure. Uh, in past years, it if didn't make a lot expensive. of sense. We'll right. see if it uh, applies next year uh, as well. Last thing I want to bring up to you guys here before we uh, get ready to start watching some matches for Game Week 38. Dave. Yes. It was less than a month ago after a Leicester victory where you said, Scott, seems as though uh, we're not seeing the classic case of choking with Leicester, or more specifically with the Braj that we see year in and year out. Now, as we sit here, Leicester are in an interesting position. Because, obviously, Leicester and Chelsea played twice in short span here recently. Leicester won the FA Cup final and got the Cup trophy. But then they lost to Chelsea in the the league, giving Chelsea a a clear path to top four in Champions League next year, celebrating after that win, by the way, like they'd won a trophy. Whereas Leicester are on the outside looking in, as we are here today, hoping for some other results to go their way in order to get back into the top four. Is this a case of choking? Or are Leicester, you know, essentially, uh, you know, eliminated from consideration for choking since they did win a trophy this season? I think they're eliminated from choking, Scott. Look, I, they, they're still currently in the top four and or five, but it's a tight race. I mean, they've been but if they finish four, they've been fifth, top four all year. If they finish fifth, they're going to be disappointed with how the season ends. Facts. Yes, for sure. And I think that's the fan. It I, seems like that's the fan perspective of seriously. Of this is no, no. From Leicester fans of how close can, how, why, why can't we do this? 
Like, this is one of the best season on points that we've ever had, and we still might not finish in the top four. Like, basically, what is it going to take to do? Like, they had a, a very good season. I think that's the well, – I think it's, so it's mostly a frustration. A lot of Leicester fans can be upset with me. They're not a big club. They are a wannabe big club. They're close. They're close. I don't know if they're going to get there. And, and, and that sounds like I'm slamming them. They might. Look – Oh, if you go back to the last four years, they've been in the top ten and they've been wicked competitive. They've won a title. Now they've won an FA Cup. I, I don't want to slam them, but what I'm saying is, and in Liverpool witnessed it this year, and that's why a lot, Scott, a lot of people will say this is Liverpool's one of their best accomplishments ever is the fact that they finished the top four with the injuries they had. Yeah, Leicester had some injuries this year that they had to overcome. It wasn't like they just had a paved way. It's true. Ianacho kind of stepped up. All of a sudden, found form of his life this year. Yeah. Wilfred and Didi missed some games. Perez missed some games. Um, they've had Pereira, Pereira, Brian. Well, Ricardo Pereira spent a lot of I mean, this, this was a recovery a lot, season for him. So yeah. all I'm saying is they, Vardy is, uh, still performed at times, but still this wasn't, this wasn't vintage Vardy this year. All I'm saying is Leicester, for me, I thought they did an amazing job still hanging around. I kept thinking they'd drop off. They never did. Okay, if, if their goal was to finish in the top four and they end up finishing fifth, and they win an FA Cup. That is a successful year. I'm sorry, it is for me. I look for me. For me, I, I heard it. For me, <laughs> but honestly, what should their expectations be? Do they really think they should be finishing top four every year? No, they're honestly, realistically, their goal should be top seven every year. That should be Leicester's goal. Look, I would love to think that Arsenal can compete for a title next year. They're not going to be able to. I'd love to think they could. But in reality, they're not there yet. There's probably about three or four teams that can win the title next year, and Arsenal's not one of them. Okay, so you got to know where you are, and then understand what your reasonable expectations are. Arsenal under under expect uh, underperformed this year, period, and they need to analyze some things. And, yeah. and I like Arteta. Liverpool overperformed this year, giving their circumstances. Tottenham underperformed, I think, this year, given their circumstances. Although some would say with Mourinho there. They were probably exactly. right where they should be. <laughs> no, no, I'm serious. Yeah. No, so, it's, it was yeah, year two of Mourinho, actually. So you would think they'd actually beat Leicester for the FA Cup trophy, right? This was this is the trophy year in Mourinho's history. It just obviously turned into his third year somehow. COVID, COVID did something there, I'm, so anyways, I'm sure. And look, City, yeah, at the end of the year, City was the most stable, the most consistent. Deep. The, the deepest team in the league. Deep. And they won the league. And they deserve it. Do you know who the biggest loser in this is? Just when you didn't think it could get low enough. You hate to kick it while it's down. But the big loser is the FA Cup. You know, we've talked about the English game, the Netflix series that we love so much. It's, you know, obviously got the FA Cup at its core and the, the origins of that cup. And But seriously, when you've got a club and we can even debate whether or not it's a disappointing season for the club that wins that trophy to still be disappointed in how the season ended... For us to even be able to debate whether or not Leicester are having a disappointing ending to the season because they're going to finish fifth, even with winning the FA Cup, that just says something about just how low the FA Cup continues to be. Whether it's uh, you know Louis Van Gaal getting fired after winning the cup, whether you know now we're talking about how champion, like literally winning a game week thirty seven league match that gets you into the top four of the Premier League, that that is more important of a match than winning this trophy. I don't know what says that the FA Cup doesn't matter more than that. I, look, well, I, I mean, I disagree with you. I think the FA Cup – look, we all judge we all judge managers and teams on silverware. So we say that with one breath, and then other times other people say, well, 
you know, it was just the EFL Cup. It was just the FA Cup. But yet, you know what? You still won a tournament and other people didn't. It was just Europa League. It was, you know, all of a sudden, so we say silverware, yet then when people win silverware, it's not the League Cup. It's not the Champions League Cup, okay? So those aren't the only two trophies that freaking matter, in my opinion. If you win a trophy, you have done something well. You have outperformed other people in a competition. I give – so for me, and look, hmm. Arsenal's won a lot of FA Cups in the last few years. Winning a trophy is something very good and very hard. And it's something that – one thing that, Scott, we love about football is – at the end of the season, there's things to play for. There's things to not play for. You don't want to get relegated. There's mm-hmm. promotion from lower clubs that are, that are playing for promotion. I love yesterday watching the end of the semifinal matches in the championship. Scott just gave me the ears. You don't know the results. I loved watching and being a part of seeing teams being pumped for a one-match playoff into the Premier League. I love that. They didn't win the league. They didn't win the championship, but there was something to play for mm-hmm. in the Premier League. You're playing for top four, top seven, a league title. And then there's, in other words, you can have a semi-successful season. Not mm-hmm. everything, you know, it's yeah. not one champion or bust. And that's no, one thing we love on totally a long, agree. on a nine-month season. That is something that I love that there is, there is, hey, we didn't win the title, but we did do this. As a, as an, a podcast that's called FPL America. The American in us is, is coming out. Obviously, I, I agree with you, and I love how soccer has shown us how you can get both a league that matters without a playoff all the way through. Even here on the final day of the season, as we sit here, there are still multiple matches worth watching, something to play Absolutely. for in those matches. Even though the title was long decided and the relegation battle was decided for the earliest in history. And usually it's not like that because, look. No, usually not. Scott. If if the this is not a national football NFL league podcast, but mm-hmm. if it was, does anyone watch the not last today. week no. of the season? No, almost. Wait for the playoffs. There might be some playoff seating determined. There might. But who be... cares if you're in, you're in, and it really doesn't matter all that much. Exactly. I, that's why I say I love that football has shown us. Uh, world football has shown us that you can get both. You can get the tournament feel and the aspect to it, and you get the the league where every match matters for the nine months of the season. It's amazing. It is amazing. No, I think I agree. <laughs> now, we're nice. we're about at game week. Nice. We're about to start game week thirty eight, so we're wrapping this up. Game week thirty seven. I wasn't able to go all the way through the FPL America uh, podcast league to see who the top scorer was, but I do know that in the top fifty, it was Anthony. Game of throw ins. He's a uh, he's been he's been there uh, there near the top all season long. He scored seventy seven points in game week thirty seven. He used that to move up to seventh. So Anthony's in great position to hopefully finish strong in the FPL America podcast league. Uh, as it as it stands right now, we have a new number one. Whoa. Harry Potter Kane is entering into uh, game week thirty eight as the leader by twelve points over Darmok and Vinegar. Whoa. Daniel has been holding it down wow. for weeks, Daniel, but man. now he's down in second. Wow. Uh, Michelle, you are my sunshine, is still holding down third. We'll see how it ends. By the way, we will have one more end of season podcast uh, in the in the days and weeks to come so stay tuned for that we'll have a, a a tradition now that's on this podcast where i administer a points quiz to dave and brian oh boy i'm going to give a special tribute to those players who ended the season with negative fpl points we'll have that uh, <laughs> and we'll have many other things still to come so make sure that you continue to follow us in whatever way that you uh, listen to this podcast keep checking the feed there'll be stuff to come and in our end of season pod we'll talk a little bit more about what our summer plan looks like too scott you have a chance to get into the uh 
FPL America podcast top 10. Yeah. You have a chance. I know. I've slipped here during the last uh, seven or eight game weeks uh, holding on and just saying, you know what? Come what may, I'm going to hold on to Kane, Bruno, and Sala for good or for bad. It's been mostly bad. Uh, and that's unfortunately what's cost me here. But uh, I'm hoping to finish strong. I don't think my my record overall rank is going to be beaten unless I have a monster day today. Uh, but, you yeah, know, we'll see. It's part of the fun. It is, for sure. And, uh, listen, I am super pumped that we're able to uh, be out here at the Academy Center of the Arts to uh, get ready for this final day, watch on the big screen, multiple games the very, going on. very, very big screen. Um, and, look, I hope this is this is this will be the beginning of a, a proper tradition That's right. that, that we will carry on and that uh, we're going to have a great time with. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, this will be the, the first of what hopefully will be a traditional end-of-season bash for this podcast. Look, I'm uh, pumped for this, Brian, Scott. Uh, it's always an honor doing this with you guys. And... Uh, uh, I'm ready for the matches, so let's uh, let's break this thing down. Let's go get ready for the matches for the FPL America podcast. This is David Smith. Until next time. <laughs>